0: Hey, guys. Thanks for joining once again. Uh, This podcast might be one of my most important ones ever. And it's not going to be fun, though. I'm not going to lie. It's an important subject matter, but it's, it's not fun. It's not something that people get excited about, but it's unbelievably important. So make sure you tough through it because this is information you absolutely need. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, my name once again is Marcello Bianchi, aka The Positive Thrifter. You can find me on Instagram under that same handle, The Positive Thrifter, and as well same handle on TikTok. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've been in the vintage clothing business for about 20 years. I own several retail locations um, uh, exclusively, as well as I own some in partnerships, And uh, I've been doing this a long time, I've been in business since the age of 19, I'm now 55 years old, uh, lifelong entrepreneur and I'm passionate about uh, business and entrepreneurship as well as vintage clothing and my goal for this podcast uh, is always just to help people who are either in my business directly or in business in general to have a better go at it, to share some of the experiences that I've had over Basically, a lifetime of being in business. Uh, I just figure uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned a lot of things. If I can help even one person uh, get to the point I'm at uh, a lot quicker, then it'll be worth sharing that information. So um, that's what I'm going to do with this podcast. So uh, unfortunately, today's subject matter is not something that's very sexy. In fact, it's something that uh, no doubt causes a lot of people in business in any type of business, whether they've been in business for six months or been in the business for 10 years, a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of stress. It's the kind of thing that a lot of people push under the rug. And unfortunately, especially when they start, they push it under the rug and only one, two, three, four, sometimes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the line, they only start to address when it's become, uh, a bit of a problem. And, uh, I'm hoping that I can help inspire some people with today's podcast to maybe, um, get to it a little quicker because, uh, I think that if you don't, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. So, uh, and what I'm talking about is organization and what I mean by organization is a lot of things. Uh, we're talking about, uh, even to the point as simple as, you know, structuring your company, what, how have you registered your company if you have registered a company, um, Maybe you haven't even started that process. So that part of organization, what type of structure should you choose for your company? Or if you've already chose one, maybe it's time to take it to the next level. Um, I'm in Canada. So in Canada, we only have three types of business structures, uh, sole proprietor, a partnership, or a corporation. I know in the U.S. they have a few more options like uh well, I won't get into that because we're not in the U.S., but uh, there's LLCs, I know that. Uh, there's, there's a few other options in the States, but in Canada, we only have three. So it's the sole proprietor, uh, a partnership, and a corporation. Um, so, in terms of organization, as simple as that, you know, how to structure your company, which option to choose. Uh, and then, you know, the administrative parts of your company, um, accounting, uh, tax returns, taxation, sales tax, uh record keeping all that lovely stuff that really does not excite people very much i know in our business there's a lot of people who consider themselves creatives and that's great and dandy but um if you see this as your long-term future if this is the career path you've chosen then you need to be able to get a good handle on organization on the administrative part of your business you will be able to delegate that there are options you can get an accountant You can do that, but I honestly believe that you need to understand that yourself. You need to at least do it yourself for a bit so that you really understand what it's all about so that when you do eventually do delegate it, that you're not just handing that over and putting it into an entirely different person's hands who may not have the same passion, the same desire, the same vested interest as you do. OK, uh, me personally, I do all my day to day accounting. Um, it's not something that I want to pawn off. I don't know if I ever will, to be honest. You know, maybe I will at some point in time, but I'm at the point where I understand it on a very deep level that even if I do, um, I know I won't be vulnerable because I understand the process. Um, you know, you know, there's a lot of my accountant's amazing and I'm not where I trust him wholeheartedly but you never want to just hand over all your financials to someone and not really know what's going on okay that's where bad things happen guys that's where you know embezzlement happens that's where a lot of negative things happen and if you're completely blind to what's going on because you really don't like it you didn't want to do it yourself then you're going to be really really vulnerable so I really suggest that anyone who's in business to Get a good handle on it. Do it yourself, at least for a portion of the time, or be heavily involved so that you understand all of that. All of that aspect of being administrative and record-keeping, taxation, tax returns, taxes, accounting. Get a good handle on that before you're fully ready to to delegate that to someone else so that you are not vulnerable. And all these aspects are, unfortunately, guys, they're non-negotiable. Okay? If you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to have a successful company, you have to, this part of your business, the administrative part, has to be taken care of. It has to be, you have to have a handle on it. It has to be run properly for a lot of reasons, okay? One reason is, you know, you need to know how your business is doing. And if you don't really have a handle on the accounting aspect and you can't really take a look at your profit and loss statement and... Then you're really not going to know how well your company is doing or not. You know, a lot of companies, you know, on the surface, if you know, you don't really know because they have a lot of cash flow, a lot of cash coming in. You know, people think that that you know automatically doing well, but that's not always the case. Until you calculate it all, until it's on paper and you've done a full, you know, financial assessment of your company, you know, in live in live moments, you know in I mean, live, then you really don't know how well you're doing. And that's why a lot of times, you know, you'll walk into a restaurant and it seems to be super busy. You know, it's busy, people there, it's hopping, it's going. you would be like, wow, this place is killing it. And then three months later, they're closed. It's because they were just, you know, busy in cash flow, but the actual numbers, you know, didn't work out. And, you know, until you get a handle on that, you don't really know how you're doing and if you don't know how you're doing then you don't really know where you need to make changes and that's where business that's what business is all about guys is adapting on the fly you know seeing what's not working tweaking adjustment and if you don't really know what's going on if you don't have a clear picture of how the business is doing then you really don't know where to make the changes and therefore you're just running blind you're like a ship without a rudder you have zero destination that you're headed towards and that's one of the most important aspects of why you want to get a handle on the administrative side of your business, on um, being organized and making sure you're doing everything you need to do. And the second reason, and a gigantic reason, is that if you are not taught on the ball on terms of your administrative aspects of your business and you know, making sure that you're paying your taxes, making sure you're paying your sales tax, taking care of all of that, then, well, you're not only, like, getting yourself in a whole heap of trouble, but you're also breaking the law, guys. Okay, like I can't tell you how many people that I come across, and there's a lot. Okay, so this, so if I, if this is you, you're not alone. And I've even done that at a point in time in my career, early on when I was younger. I've only really had my shit together for, I'd say, in the last decade. And it, it was a result of getting audited uh, multiple times. I was audited four times in six years because at the time uh, I wasn't doing anything wrong and I ended up you know actually getting money back but I was audited because it was triggered because uh, I was in the eBay business and in 2006 uh, eBay won a I mean uh, the government of Canada won a a landmark case against eBay Canada and they were forced to hand over all the records of all their resellers all their their seller info And that's been the M.O. of the government pretty much since 2006, to go after companies who uh, where there's potentially a lot of revenue being made by people within the organization uh, that is being hidden from them. And they've just sort of parlayed that landmark case in 2006 with eBay Canada into a lot of different areas. But uh, at that time, uh, eBay was forced to hand over... Uh, hand over all their seller info at that time i had one of the biggest ebay stores in canada so it was a pretty simple process for the government of canada at that time they were just uh you know looking at some of these sellers doing significant amount of sales on ebay and then matching up you know the owner of that account with their tax returns and if something wasn't kosher there in other words they were selling 50k on ebay and they're only declaring twenty thousand from a job they had then they knew something was wrong, and that would trigger an audit. Okay, that wasn't my case. I wasn't working at the time. Um, I had I was only in business on eBay. Um, I, I'm pretty sure my audits were triggered because I, I was one of the largest in Canada, and uh, they basically used me as a guinea pig to send their agents in. I was audited four times in six years, uh, just to you know learn about how you know an eBay business is run. And sadly. You know, I was part of that. Um, but you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to get my, my shit in order. And it also taught me not to fear an audit because uh, it wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? Uh, because Of course, I wasn't cheating, I wasn't non declaring. So if you're doing nothing wrong, you have nothing to worry about. And that was my case. Um, I never had a problem, but uh, and you know after my third audit, I was much more savvy and much more comfortable. By the time my fourth audit audit hit, I was a little bit more tougher. And I was like, "Hey guys, this is abuse now. You should be auditing me." And uh, I was more—I wasn't so terrified anymore because I knew the process. And I'm thankful for that experience. And knock on wood, I haven't heard from the government since. Um, so, you know, and when you're doing things right and you're not cheating and and uh, and my record keeping wasn't great but I wasn't being dishonest so I had no problems and if you're you know if you're not doing anything wrong then you have no problems but I know a lot of people out there listening to this will be like holy crap you know I've been in business for 3 years and I haven't declared anything I haven't even registered a company yet and you know like now's the time to do it guys like don't push it put on the back burner any longer cuz I can tell you this from my experience what I can share is is that Um, you know, like it's a much better situation if you get an audit if they see that you're already a couple of years in to getting yourself you know, online to getting yourself, you know doing things the right way if they come into an audit and they say, okay because they're allowed to go back seven years, guys if they come into an audit and they go, okay, well, it looks like the last couple years you've got your shit together previous five, not so much they're more likely to be lenient with you, okay? Because they're like, okay, we understand, people get started in business, they don't know what they're doing, but at least you're on the right track, you're getting yourself above board, and you're complying, you know, you're going to have a much better result than if they come into an audit and they're like, okay, it's five years in, and you haven't even tried to get your shit cleaned up. Now you're just basically a tax evader. So even if you're, you know, you haven't been doing things above board for a few years now. The time is now to get yourself organized, get your things cleaned up. Because if you do that, you'll be in a much better situation than if you don't. If you keep, keep putting it off, and then an audit gets triggered. Especially if you're selling online, guys. If you're selling online on any type of platform, they're all getting hit. The government's going after all of them. And they're not even... There's no longer even a court case. Because all these companies know now they're not going to win. So... They, you know, I'll give you an example. Home Depot, for example, put out a credit card, a contractor's credit card. So any contractor could sign up for that, and it was a simple sign up procedure. You didn't have to have a registered company, you just fill up the form, they give you the card, and you get 10% off of goods. So a lot of these contractors were doing everything under the table, cash money. But they were going to Home Depot and spending a ton of money on all this you know, supplies, wood, nails, whatever they needed, and getting that 10% discount, but not declaring it. And bam, Home Depot had to turn over that list to the government. The government went and looked in and said, well, Joe Smith over here bought $60,000 worth of supplies, wood, nails, and all kinds of stuff from Home Depot, yet he has zero income on his tax return from renovations, and he's not registered. Under the, you know, the laws uh, that are applied to contractors. And boom, all those guys got hit. So it doesn't matter, guys. Wherever you have a presence, a PayPal account, wherever. Wherever there's a paper trail, they're going to find you. So you can't keep hiding this stuff. It's going to come come back to bite you in the ass. Your, your best hope is that you get your shit cleaned up and you somehow manage to... Get audited after those seven years have expired, and you've cleaned your cleaned your act up, or you're a good three, four, five years into it, and they're going to be lenient with you because they know you know they know that you're you've gotten yourself straightened out. So, guys, that's a whole other, if not the most important reason why you need to get organized Because you got to start complying with the law, okay, with laws, and. You know, paying your taxes and doing things you got to do. You can't keep putting that off, guys. I don't want to scare anybody. I don't want to give anybody nightmares. But at the same time, I do because I want you to, I don't want, I don't wish this on anybody. My worst enemy, I don't want them to go through that. Because you're talking about every year that passes, that number that you owe goes up. And if you get hit at the wrong time, you can owe an astronomical amount of money. And it could, it could ruin a lot of people. And I don't want that for people. So, like, if I'm scaring you, I apologize, but I'm doing you a a service here. I'm doing you, I'm trying to push you to get your stuff together before it's too late, while you still have a chance to salvage it. And who knows, for most of you, if you get it taken care of, you'll be fine. You won't have to deal with it ever. Okay? So, those are all the reasons why you need to get this aspect of being in business together. Organization, record keeping taxation paying your bills you need to be a really good administrator I'm sorry I know it's not fun but it's if this is the life you've chose you got to embrace it you got to welcome it and and I'm, I'm hoping this this uh, podcast will give you the information and the push you need to get it done so let's start about let's start off with uh, you know if you haven't registered a company or if you have registered uh, and you're just decide to go with a sole proprietor and maybe it's time to look at the different structures of business and I'm gonna tell you what I think is the best and only way to go I've been in at this for this business for 20 years and I've been in business my entire life you know since I was 19 years old I'm now 55 and there's no other way I would structure a company And I don't care if you're brand new because the work involved the record-keeping is all the same whether you're a sole proprietor or whether you're a corporation or a partnership, the three types, There's, it's all the same. So you might as well just do it the right way from the start. So there are three legal entities in Canada that you can choose. Only three. There's the only three ways you could do it. The first and the most basic way of doing it is a sole proprietorship. Now, what is a sole proprietorship? It's very simple. It's just an extension of you, it's still you, it's still Joe Smith as an individual, but who is now doing business, who's earning some income through a business activities, okay? Um, Honestly, I see no upside to a sole proprietorship. I can only tell you the downside. A lot of people choose to go this way because they're like, I'm just getting started. I don't want anything too complicated. I understand that to a degree, but I'm here to tell you from experience, it doesn't matter because you're going to have to do the same amount of work, whether it's a sole proprietor, or a corporation or a partnership, but I'm telling. But you have much less benefits as a sole proprietor, okay? And as a partnership, to be partnership's even worse. But let me explain to you all three. Sole pr- proprietorship, as I said, is just you. It's an extension of you. It just means that you have you're registered as a company. Uh, it allows you to acquire some sales tax numbers if you qualify for that, which I'll get into. Um, and you know, it means that you're now earning income from business activities. The income that you earn from business activities will go under a different heading in your tax return under other income, but it gets pooled together with any income that you may make from a job. Okay, so for example, if you have a job and you make 30 grand a year and you decide to start a side hustle that quickly is earning you 20 grand a year, your 30K from your job and your 20K from your side hustle will be pooled together and you'll be taxed on $50,000 worth of income. And you will be taxed at the highest possible tax rate. Once you start to get fifty, sixty thousand, 60,000, you pay the highest tax rate, which is virtually pretty much half of your income will be uh, go to taxes, okay? So a sole proprietor offers you zero in terms of tax benefits, okay? It's the poorest way tax-wise to do business, okay? So in other words, even, it's, even though it's a business, it's still considered personal income and it all gets lumped together with any income you might earn from a job or anything you do, okay? Um, so that's the first negative. In terms of taxation, it's not very good, okay? The second is in terms of liability. Liability, what do I mean by that? If you are a sole proprietor and you open a store, if you sign a lease, one year, two year, three year, whatever lease you sign, you are personally liable for that lease. In other words, if for some reason you can't continue, the business is not working, if you're a year in, you've signed a three-year lease, you are personally liable for the remaining two years of that lease, okay? Um, Same if you take a a loan for the company, you are personally liable. If you take a credit card, line of credit, anything like that, any debt, any liability in that sense, you are personally responsible for. So that means any money you have in an account, any property you own personally, is all in play. So that means anything that you own, any asset you own, is potentially at risk should things go wrong with the business, okay? So here's why I'm not a fan of sole proprietors. I know it's like people say, well, I just started, still, you know, this is the way I wanna get into it, I don't wanna do anything too complicated. It's not worth it because you're gonna to have to do the same amount of record keeping, the same amount of work, with zero of the benefits. Okay, you're gonna be personally liable for everything, and you're gonna be taxed in one pool of income. Okay? So for me, I don't care if it's if you've made the decision to start a real business and you're ready to register a company because this is what you wanna do, I do not recommend sole proprietor because there is more no all negatives and virtually no positives to it other than it's cheaper and it's probably easier to sign up with, okay, but it's not that big a deal to sign up for a corporation either, but the the, the negatives far outweigh any type of small advantage. The other type of business you can register is a, a partnership, okay, that's where it's not a corporation, it's where two partners sign a partnership agreement maybe 50-50, 60-40, whatever they sign, uh, it's, you know, to explain it in the simplest way, it's kind of like two sole proprietors merging, okay? You have the same negativities, but you're also have, you're also subject to that partnership agreement, okay? It's also very hard to get out of that business if you decide to, let's say one partner wants to leave, uh, a little bit more complicated. Um, To me, that To me, a partnership is even worse than uh, a sole proprietorship. That's my opinion. Again, maybe some people disagree, but I don't get a partnership. I don't get any advantages to it. Uh, If you want to start a business with someone else, you could simply start as a corporation and then split up the shares in the company. Uh, It's a much better way to do it. Um, So yeah, So, on that note, I'll get into uh, what a corporation is. And why I believe it's the only way to go in terms of starting a business. A corporation is completely different from a partnership and a sole proprietorship. A corporation means you are registering something that is its own entity, it's a separate entity from you. Okay, you will be a shareholder in that corporation, but you it's not you. It means you just own shares in that company. Okay, in terms of liability unbelievably more advantageous to have a corporation. Okay, because a corporation is a separate entity, it means you are not personally responsible for any liabilities, any debts of the company. So, again, if you have a corporation and you sign a lease, okay, if the store, you decide to close the store, the corporation is liable for the remaining terms of the lease and the corporation has an escape clause called bankruptcy, which means you can bankrupt the company and walk away. None of your personal assets, like money in the bank, any property you own, etc., come into play. They are protected. Okay? So, unless, and the same thing with a bank loan or a credit card or a line of credit, any type of you Know a car lease, anything that is put in the name of the corporation that does not require you to personally uh, guarantee it is completely uh, the liability or uh, of the entity, the corporation. Okay, now the reality is that some bank loans, some credit cards, uh, even some leases, they will require you to have a personal guarantee, and you can just say no. No. then I'll find another store, I'll find another place to rent, I'll get another, you know, I'll do it some other way. But as long as you adhere to that, and you know, I've signed leases, I've had no problem signing leases, for example, under my corporation's name, with no personal guarantee to it. So, first and foremost, uh, a corporation provides you with protection against any personal liability that the business may incur. Okay, so it's a separate entity; it's protected. Okay, anything you come into, any property you own, any money in you in the bank, you that won't be affected if the company fails. Okay, so you have that, and that's why it's it was pretty much developed. Okay, divide, to uh, a corporation was created in order to provide that type of protection. Okay, liability. That's the first advantage; it's a huge one. The other massive advantage is preferential. Taxation on a corporation. Okay, so again, getting back to a sole proprietor in a sole proprietor situation, if you have a, a job where you make 30k a year and then you have a side hustle business and you're sole proprietor in that business and you make 20, that 20 and the 30 you make for your job is pooled together and you are taxed on 50. Okay, and what happens is at 30k a year, you'll be in one tax bracket with your job. But if you make another 20K as a sole proprietor, now your cumulative income is 50K. That's pushing you to a higher tax bracket, which means you'll be taxed higher at your job income as well, okay? So negative, that's a negative situation. In a corporation, all the profits that are made by the corporation are taxed separately. They are not included in your personal income, okay? And not only are they not included in your personal income, they are taxed at a much lower rate. So, for example, your company is a corporation. Again, same situation as before. You make thirty thousand in your job. Your corporation side hustle makes twenty thousand. Your corporation's the profits on the on the corporation. The twenty thousand profit on the corporation is taxed at a much lower rate. Corporations are taxed at approximately eighteen to twenty-two percent. Corporate tax, so it's much much lower than you'd be paying if it was personal income. Okay, so and that's paid by the corporation. Okay, so once you've paid that, if no money is taken out, there's no more tax to pay other than eighteen to twenty one percent, twenty two percent, let's say, and that doesn't matter how much the company makes. Whether the company makes twenty thousand or makes twenty two million it's taxed at 18 to 22% extremely low that's the tax advantage of it okay if you decide to take money out of the company okay there's two ways you could take money out of a corporation okay um, you could take it out as a salary if you have uh, a job and you make a salary already I don't recommend that you take out money from your corporation when it's time you want to take some money out. Don't take it out as a salary. The reason why? Because once again, <coughs> um, if you're paid a salary, it works the same way as a sole proprietorship. So it'll be a, it'll be added to your your job salary, and you'll be taxed at a very high rate. <coughs> the only time you want to take a salary out of a company where it's advantageous to do that is if you uh, is in a situation where you live exclusively off of the company. So in other words, you don't have another job, and you have a plan at some point in the near future to uh, apply for some type of credit, uh, for example, a mortgage. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And I'll get into the second way you can take money out of, a, out, of a, out of a corporation before I explain to you why it is sometimes advantageous to take a salary from a corporation. Okay? <clears throat> the second way that you can take money out of a corporation is in the form of dividends. Dividends are completely different. It's where you withdraw a certain amount of money. You decide. There's really no limit or, or minimum or anything like that. You you take out, uh, the, amount, the amount you take out is in the form of a dividend. A dividend is taxed at a much lower rate than you would be as a salary, okay? It's generally taxed, the dividend is taxed at around 30%, no matter how much you take out, and the reason for that is because you're taking, you're pulling from the profits of a corporation that has already been taxed corporately, okay? So remember that 18 to 21% I told you about? Because that has already been taken off, those profits, when you withdraw a dividend, you're taxed at 30%. Okay, so, and again, no matter how much you take out. So, for example, if you make $30,000 a year in a job, and you're, let's say, taxed at 35% or 40% because it's a job income by the government, if you take out another 30000 from your side hustle corporation, that 30000 Will be taxed at thirty percent, and will not raise the taxes of your job income because they're not combined. So any dividends you take out uh, are always taxed at thirty percent. Okay. Now, if you have no other um, income, in you know, other words, no job, you live exclusively off your business, then you know basically, if you just take dividends, then you'll always only be taxed at thirty percent. Okay, so you one day you hit it big, you take out a million dollars, you're only paying thirty percent. Okay, maximum. Now, why would anybody take a salary instead of taking dividends from if they uh, if they have a corporation and no other job? Why would you take a salary? Well, for the simple fact that down the line you want to take some type of credit from a bank, you know, primarily like if you're looking to get a mortgage down the line. So let's say you're a young business owner, start building your company. You're able to take out a good solid amount of money every year, um, you know, to pay your bills and live. You know, you're making good money. Uh, if you take it out as a dividend, you're going to have a hard time getting credit from the bank. Whereas if you take it out as a salary, you're more likely to get credit from the bank. And why is this? It's because the bank banks look at a salary as a much more stable income, they qualify it as an income. They actually don't qualify dividends as income, surprisingly enough, because um, when you take out uh, dividends from a company, it's at your discretion. So it's not like it's a consistent paycheck coming every week or every two weeks or every month. It's money you take out that you decide when you take it out. And therefore, banks don't consider that as an income. And it's, it's crazy in a way because somebody who has uh, a salary of 50 grand a year that's taxed heavily is more likely to get a mortgage than somebody pulling out $200,000 worth of dividends in the government size. Okay, the guy, the person uh, who clears, you know, takes out dividends and has 200 grand in the bank after paying their 30%, uh, the government doesn't value that as much as somebody who's making 50,000 as a salary. Okay, because they see that as a steady income. They're more likely to make their, you know, it's kind of silly because you can literally ha- have somebody who only takes dividends, who has a dramatic amount more money in the bank than someone who has a salary, but the, the, the banks are more likely to give the guy with the salary a mortgage because it's a steady income than dividends, okay? So that's kind of a decision you'll have to make generally with young business owners. You know, like you start a business, you start to do well, you want to buy a house, if you're only taking dividends because you like the tax benefits of it, you're going to have a hard time getting a mortgage, even if you have a big down payment because they they just don't recognize dividends as an income, a steady income. So that's why a lot of younger entrepreneurs, they, they, they take out money in the form of a salary, and then they can bring that to the bank and say, look, I make a salary, get their mortgage, get their house, and then once they're in the system, uh, then they can switch back to dividends because, you know, once you're in the system, it's a different story. It's more for a first type of mortgage. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, even once you're in the system, it could be harder to, uh, to get, you know, to the next time you're negotiating your mortgage. You know, they look at a lot of these things, um, you know, so that's that way. But in general, like once you're in the system and you're paying your bills, you have a credit history, you have a bunch of money in the bank. Shouldn't have too much of a trouble, trouble renewing your your mortgage, but you never know, and that's the decision young entrepreneurs have to make. They might have to take a salary early on until they bought their house, and then they could switch to dividends. <clears throat> um, if you already own a property and start a side hustle, you know, then it's less of a concern, okay? Because you're again, you're already in the system, you have a mortgage. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's just a different story if you're already in. The, once you're already in the system, that's more of a decision you have to make before you've bought your first house, before you've gotten your first mortgage, or you might have to, you know, take your money out of your company as a salary, and until you're in the system, and then you can switch to the more tax adv- advantageous uh, <coughs> dividend situation. Um, and and you know, a lot of people, a lot of you know, established business people, they use corporations as a saving mechanisms too. In other words they don't take out any money okay or they only take out money once a year they just you know they don't need the money so they start a corporation it's profitable it's profitable the bank account you know grows and uh, at the end of the year they pay their their corporate taxes and you know they might not touch that money you know again and some do it for a long period of time and it replaces sort of like an RRSP. And it's the same type of thing they build a company you know, they might have multiple companies, and uh, they don't touch a dime out of the company for a decade or more. And next thing you know, there's a big, fat bank account, and when it's time for them to slow down, then they can, then they can start taking money out uh, of that bank account, and it's taxed at a much lower rate, the 30%. You know, again, very similar to how an RRSP works, um, but in the form of a corporation. So... <clears throat> So, again, uh, in terms of structure in the company, um, having, you know, I've been, uh, you know, when I was 19, one of the first advisors I had suggested I start a corporation, and I did, and I didn't understand it, and I never understood how it worked. And then when that business didn't work, uh, from that point on, I, I went with sole proprietors. <clears throat> and really really paid a lot more taxes than I really needed to and uh, just kind of shied away from it because I didn't understand it. And it was only literally within the last decade where I started to really understand it. And now for me, like I've started multiple companies since then, and for me, it's very simple. I'm starting a new company, I incorporate. Go that way uh, because the work involved in record keeping is no different. And once you understand that it's not really that big a deal, and you realize that it's just like it's a no-brainer. Just the it's all advantages and no negatives. You know, as opposed to uh, a partnership and a sole proprietor, and it's also much easier to make uh, a decision. Like I've owned a company where I was a equal shareholder, and that partner decided to leave, and it was a very simple process in terms of buying their shares and them leaving. Whereas a partnership on paper, dissolving up, just a partnership that's not a corporation, that's not structured with terms of shareholders, eesh, that's tough. You know what I mean? It's extremely tough. So there's no disadvantage, okay? Other than that, you know, obviously it costs more. Um, you know, you can incorporate a company uh, if you're going to do a numbered company. You know, what is a numbered company? A lot of people, like if you're doing business and you don't really need a name, like a lot of people when they start a business, they get very hung up on a name. And, uh, you know what i mean and, and they overthink it and uh you know some of the companies that i've started recently have been numbered companies i don't go for a name anymore it's actually a little bit cheaper and you can you know it's it's not a big difference though like a, to register a numbered company what it what it means is that the company would be just you know nine nine two four one six eight quebec inc instead of uh joe's oysters inc you know what i mean so like it's just a numbered company it's there's no need for a visible name you could still have a name you do business under you know what i mean like uh a lot of people get very hung up on the name and it's not always necessary and you can protect that name in a lot of different ways um, but if you really want to go with a name that's fine too and it'll cost you you know maybe 100 150 more it's because they do a, they have to do a name search you have to go through the database of companies in canada and make sure that there's nobody that has that name or something very similar. So there's a cost for that. There's a time delay for that. Uh, if you're in Quebec, you have to make sure it, uh, that the, the name is complies with the French language laws. So if you want a name, that's fine. It's just gonna cost you a bit more, but the difference in price is probably somewhere around 800 bucks and a thousand bucks or like eight, 950, let's say. So it's up to you. <laughs> um, you could do it yourself and it's, Approximately $500, but you don't want to do it yourself because it's that part's extremely complicated. Um, the $800 or $950 is when you do it through a company. There's a lot of good online companies that could register a corporation for you. It's a one-stop shop where you could register the company. You could register tax numbers. You can do it all in one shot. You just pay a little extra you know, for for each service, and you get it all done. They do it all professionally, quick, fast. Boom, you're up and ready to go. It's worth the extra 300 bucks or whatever it is that you got to pay, as opposed to do it yourself by a long shot. Okay, I use a company called CorporationCenter.ca. I've registered multiple companies with them. Very good, very efficient. It's all you need. And uh, once you have that corporation registered, uh, you know, then you just got to you got to basically start to get into the record-keeping. The next step would be uh, deciding whether you're going to have sales tax numbers from the get-go or not. How sales tax numbers work in Canada? Very simple. Um, Any business that sells under $30,000 a year does not have to collect sales tax. Okay? Sales tax varies from province to province if you're in Quebec. Um you register for the GST, which is the goods and services tax, which is the federal portion of the tax, and the QST, which is the Quebec sales tax, which is the, uh, again, Quebec provincial portion of the tax. Um, If you're in Ontario, it's just the HST, which is a combination. Um, Now, if you're registering a corporation, you have two options. You can register as a Quebec corporation, or a provincial, like an Ontario corporation, or BC corporation, or you can, Do a federal incorporation, which is, the difference would be like a Quebec Inc. and a Canada Inc. Okay, now, what's the difference between the two? In terms of legal structure, there's really no difference. Um, You know, without getting into too much detail, the main difference is, if you are in Quebec, let's say, and you have, you do not foresee yourself at all moving at any point in time, this is where you're going to live, this is where you're going to do business, then simply get a Quebec corporation okay it's as simple as that you can register all through uh, you uh, the good thing is that Revenue Quebec uh, who you register with um, handles the sales tax both of them the GST and the QST so basically uh, you just have to deal with one government in terms of remitting your sales tax um, so again if you're gonna stay in Canada and Quebec in one province and you don't foresee yourself ever moving then get a Quebec corporation If you think that there's a realistic chance that you might move out of the province to another province, I don't know, maybe you're living here in Quebec, but you grew up in, you know, and your family's in another province, there's a chance one day, maybe you'll move back to live with them, be closer to family, then I highly suggest you get a Canada corporation. because what that means is that move will be simple, okay, you can just take the corporation with you. It's It's a federal corporation, so it really doesn't matter where you're doing business, okay? You cannot take a Quebec corporation to Ontario, for example. So you will, if you decide to move, you will have to make some changes. So are they big changes? I don't think they're that probably that big of a deal, but it's one less thing to worry about. So if there's any potential of moving, get yourself a federal corporation, a Canada Inc., and uh, and go with that. Okay. Um, and uh, again, like if you register in Quebec as a Canada corporation, you move to Ontario, you'll just have to switch from Revenue Quebec to whatever the Ontario version is. A little bit less paperwork, but uh, again, potential to move, Canada corporation, no, le- not likely to move, Quebec corporation or provincial corporation. Okay, and again, in terms of sales tax in Canada, you have to exceed $30,000 in a calendar year in order for you to be Qualify to have to collect sales tax now the thing is it's not a year-to-year so in other words if you exceed the first time the first year that you exceed 30k in sales and you have to register for sales tax then it's permanent so it doesn't matter if you sell for 40,000 and you register for the taxes if the next year you only sell 20 once you've started that clock ticking you have to continue to collect sales tax okay so it doesn't go from year to year once you're in the books as someone to collect sales tax you always have to collect sales tax So, when you register your company that's the decision you're gonna have to make okay and if you have let's say you're one of those people who've been you know sweeping under the rug a little too long now you're two three four five years in and look at your sales and if your sales have exceeded 30k in Canada then you need to start from the get-go to have your sales tax now. In Canada, guys. So let's say you sell on eBay. And you did 50,000 in sales. Okay, How much of that 50,000 in sales was in Canada? And if, let's say, it's 10,000, then you only have to look at that number and say, well, I sold 50,000 on eBay or Etsy, but only 10,000 was in Canada. I don't need to get my sales tax numbers yet. If you're doing combo businesses, selling on Etsy or eBay, plus you're doing pop-ups, blah, 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 and those figures exceed 30,000 if you have that history from the last couple of years and you know that you're going to sell more than $30,000 in Canada then from the day one that you register your company get your sales tax numbers and you can do that when you use one of these online companies that registers corporations um yeah so you need to make that decision from the get go, and if you don't think you're going to be anywhere near 30k, then don't get the sales tax numbers. I mean, there's no need to put do the extra work if you don't have to. Um, yeah, so that's a decision you'll have to make. If you're brand new and you haven't have no real data, then wait. If you've been putting sweeping this on the rug for a few years and you know that you've exceeded that, then definitely get to it because again, guys, you want to clean up as soon as possible because if you know, if you get audited, you want to be like two, three, four years into your cleanup, so that they, they know that you're at, you're trying to get yourself cleaned up. You don't want to be now put it up, you know, sweep it under the rug, and get hit with an audit. Now you're five years in, and you're still not trying. Then they just see you as a tax evader. Okay, there's no leeway there. Okay, so that's a decision you have to make. And then, you know, basically once you start uh, collecting sales tax, then you have to be thorough with that. Okay. Uh, I'll just tell you right now, corporate taxes, meaning like at the end of the year when you calculate your profits and you have income tax you have to pay, which is called corporate tax in the, in the, in the sense of a corporation, um, they're fairly lenient with that. So in other words, if you're a little bit late, they charge you interest, nothing crazy. Uh, they're very lenient, you know what I mean? As long as you're making an effort, you won't pay a lot of interest, you won't pay a lot of penalties, they're pretty tight with that, okay? But sales tax, guys, they don't F with that, okay? You cannot be late with that. If you're late with that, they hit you with heavy penalties, heavy interest. Um, the company I started recently, we actually screwed something up and we weren't able to file our taxes on time just because uh, you know, I wasn't paying attention and uh, we didn't owe a ton of money and they hit us. with It was almost 10%. It was like three, four, 500 bucks of a penalty and we were barely late. They hit you hard, you know what I mean? And uh, you don't want to do that, so you want to be on time with that. And, you know, just in a nutshell, I'm not going to explain to you how to do your taxes, but the way taxes work is you collect your sales tax. In Quebec, it adds up to around 15%. You add up all of that sales tax, and then you are allowed to deduct any sales tax that you spent in operating your business. So, if you bought inventory and they charged you tax, if you... Had internet service, on your cell phone, on your gas, any any sales tax that you paid legitimately on activities or things that you need to run your business, you can now take that amount and deduct it for what you owe. So let's say you owe $2,000 of sales tax, but you paid out $500 of sales tax on things to operate your business, now you can deduct it and the balance of 1500 bucks is what you owe the government. That's basically how it works. You will report it. Uh, They will give you the option to choose to report it once a year or quarterly. I think automatically they put you on once a year. Guys, don't do that. That's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to have a whole year go by and you have this massive tax bill and maybe you got distracted along the way and you owe a bunch of money. Automatically make the request. If you can't do it from day one, okay, again, guys, I apologize. I haven't. I do a lot of things... uh, you know, I've done a lot of things years ago. I don't really I haven't done them recently, so I'm not super up to date on stuff. But let's say down the line, uh, you don't go with sales tax numbers right away, and then you eventually register once you hit the 30k. Make sure it's from day one you get converted to quarterly. You want to do that every three months. It's much easier to manage. Okay, it's, it takes a lot of pressure off you, and it's something you want to get in the habit of doing every three months. You don't want to do it once a year. Trust me. You do not, that's a bad idea. Okay. It's just too much in one shot. And, uh, there's just a big margin for error if you're doing it that way. <clears throat> so, so basically you want to, you want to, you know, get registered for sales tax and get everything legally up to snuff. And now you're off and going and now it's time for record keeping. Uh, I'm running, kind of running low on time here in terms of my, uh, Time to do this. I don't like to exceed an hour, uh, so I won't get too in detail. Um, guys, I'll tell you how I do things. I learned how to do double entry accounting, which, guys, I'll tell you, at first seems like you're trying to learn, you know, a completely foreign language. Kind of blows you away a little bit. It's only because you're just not used to it. And at first, I was like, "Wow, this is hard." But then, once it kind of clicked, I was like, "Well, wow, this is actually not hard at all. It's just basic math." Okay, especially. Uh, You know what I suggest is uh, find somebody who could give you a very, uh, you know, help you put together a very simple spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet, where they're going to set you up uh, a set of books. Um, Someone who knows what they're doing, okay. Maybe pay an accounting accountant to help you do that. Um, Help you set up columns of all the things that are involved in your personal business, okay. Like you'll have a column for uh your bank balance a column for uh any inventory you purchase uh anything you any credit card you use for the business there'll be different columns that will be set up for all the activities in your business uh any uh, bills you have uh you know uh, the accounts will be able to explain it for you and then once they've helped you set up a very basic excel spreadsheet they're going to show you how to do double entry accounting which means that on every transaction you enter there's always a uh, an equal amount that cancels out. So let's say you have a hundred dollars come in uh, for a, from a comes into your bank account from an e-transfer. Then it's going to go as a positive hundred, and then there's going to be a negative hundred hundred that will go into uh, sales on your Square, for example, on your Square uh, point of purchase. Okay, so there's always got to be a, a positive and a negative that cancels out to zero on each line. That's basically double entry accounting and guys, find yourself an accountant, pay them for an hour or so to sit down and explain to you how to do basic double entry accounting. Uh, It'll be worth it because not only will, once it clicks for you, you know, you realize how easy it is and it'll allow you to do the majority of your accounting yourself. And that's what you want because that's going to save you a lot of money, okay? Um, I could pay my accountant to do everything. In other words, I would hand them over everything. But I don't want to do that because, A, it's expensive. <coughs> and, B, I want to know what's going on in my own business. And I also realized how easy it is. I run three companies right now. I do the books for all three. And it really doesn't take me that, that much time once you have a handle on it, okay? <coughs> so... If you teach yourself how to do double entry accounting, which is very, very simple, it's not complicated, you'll be able to do your books day to day, and then you'll be able to once a year, or maybe once a quarter, hand off that information in a simple, just email them the file, your accountant, and they'll be able to produce your taxes all with that for you, and will cost you a lot less, okay, a lot less. And now you can incorporate an accountant into your life without having this massive expense, okay? And you, me personally, I do my own sales tax because it's unbelievably easy. Once you have a spreadsheet in place, the spreadsheet, you know, Excel does all the calculations for you. It's a couple clicks and you know how much you owe. Boom, you pay it, whatever. The only thing I hand off my accountant is your rent. And then they do my tax returns, my corporate tax returns for me. And that way I'm keeping the cost low and I'm doing everything in-house, okay? And, you know, it keeps you from being vulnerable, guys, because you don't want to hand off all your financials to someone else because that's where, you know, that's where potential bad things can happen, okay? You know, you, that's where embezzlement happens. That's where just bad things happen, okay? And you want to be able to understand how to do that. I know the thought of double entry accounting might be like, oh, God, kill me, shoot me in the head first. But guys, once you understand it, you're going to see the value and you're going to feel so much better about your business because you're going to be able to know in real time how you're doing. You're going to have the real story in front of you day to day and you're going to be in control and you want to be in control of your business, okay? You know, at, at worst case, if you're in a partnership, You know, find a partner or have a partner who's good at that part of it and let them take care of it. But I still think I would never want to not have my hands in that part of my business because it's so important. I don't want to just hand that over to someone else. That's crazy. I want to be able to understand it. So at least when they come back to me with my taxation, I understand things, understand what's going on. It's not you know, I'm not completely in the dark what my accountant's talking about. Okay? So you know, that type of record keeping, you know, get yourself uh, someplace where you're properly, you know, filing all your receipts. Get yourself uh, some backup ledgers, so you, you know, like I, I personally uh, I have everything on spreadsheet, but I also do a, a backup ledger where I write it, okay? It doesn't take that much more work, but now I know I have this hard copy backed up just in case. Just in case I need it. Okay, that's up to you, that's your choice. But You know, get yourself a filing cabinet, okay? Start keeping all your receipts, start keeping all your tax returns, keeping all your notice of assessments. Take pride in that organization, okay? Become a really good operator, administrator as well as a creative, as well as a seller, as well as a picker and as a buyer. Get good at that part, okay? It will serve you well and it's part of being an entrepreneur, okay? You have to understand numbers. You have to understand organization. You know, you have to be a well-organized machine if you want to build a successful company. You can't be all over the place, guys. Okay, and I know it's tiring. I know we have a lot on our plate in our life. I get it, but this is the life you chose, and it's non-negotiable being in business because it's just going to become, you know, if you're willing to be consistent and put in the effort and have the discipline and learn and get everything It'll it'll be much easier to manage than pushing it all under the rug. You think that's easier. It's not easier. Plus the peace of mind that goes with it, guys. Okay? So, I know this episode wasn't a fun one and it might, you know, you might have a pit in your stomach of what you're going to have to get to it, but just flip that switch of your attitude, guys. You know? Embrace it. Tackle it. Because you're going to feel so much better. You're going to have a much better handle on how your business is actually doing and you're going to you're going to morph into a real business person, okay? You have to be able to do that part of your business as well, too. You have to embrace it. And I could say that that's not something that I ever like, but now that I have, you know, for the last decade I've had a handle on it, it's a great feeling, you know? And uh, it's. I would never go back to just letting things just, you know, be swept under the rug, okay? Because that peace of mind knowing that I know exactly how my company's done and I know if I need a document and I know if I ever get an audit, it's all there. I'll be fine. But nothing to worry about. It takes all that stress away from you. It's worth the effort. It's not, and I know some of you guys listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That pit in your stomach is you know you haven't got yourself organized yet. You're just sort of running around with a chicken with your head cut off. You don't know how you're doing. You're just paying some bills. And money's coming in, going out. Am I making any money? You really don't know what's going on. And, and it's bothering you inside. And you want to get organized. But today's the day to start. I hope that this this podcast, that if you take the time to listen to it, that will inspire you to get that part of your business together. And you can do it. Everyone's capable. It doesn't. I hate when I hear, like, oh, I'm just not good at that. Well, you got to get good at it. It's... It's not hard because it's basic math and most of it gets done for your body spreadsheets. You know, uh, it's a step you have to take if you want to be a real business person, guys. And you can do it. I know you can because I know there's nothing special about me. I know it's just a question of making the decision and pushing myself to do it and being disciplined to stick with it day in, day out. Okay? So I wish you all the best with it. I hope I didn't ruin your day. And I hope that inspires some of you to go out and take control of your business, get organized, and uh, get things together. So thanks for listening as always, and uh, we'll catch you on the next time. Thanks as always, guys, for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. And most importantly, share it with other people that you think would benefit from the content. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of the podcast, please hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at The Positive Thrifter, and I'm happy to be here uh, about your show ideas. Thanks, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.